0: Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy and I am your host today. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk about real estate. I've had several requests uh, to, to talk about the value of real estate or, or commercial property as an inflation hedge, because I do listen to, to the listeners and if you have an idea, something you want to hear talked about, uh, you can write to me at inflationGuy at enduringinvestments.com. And there are various other ways to get in contact with me that I'll mention at the end of the broadcast. but, but um, today we're going to talk about real estate. Now, um, many consumers, as it happens, do in fact, Naturally, sit on a very good long-term inflation hedge. If you own a home, yeah. And in fact, if you look at a lot of retirees or near retirees uh, that are going to get an inflation-linked annuity uh, through Social Security, and they they own a home, you know, retirees are not necessarily in as bad a position with respect to inflation as we as we like to think. Now, if you if you if you sold your home when you retired and, and you moved into an apartment um, uh, and you took your social security early so it's it's not a, a, a large amount then okay you're not quite in the same situation but but there are a lot of of uh, people on fixed incomes that nevertheless tend to have some of these good inflation hedges so now I'm talking about owning a home but more accurately most of us don't own a home. We own a levered hedge fund-like long position in residential real estate, right? Because, because most of us don't own the homes we live in. We the bank owns most of it. Uh, we we have title to it, but we've borrowed most of it. So, you know, it's um, the amount of equity in our home is is a lot less than the value of the home in in many cases. In most cases, I would say. Now. The bad news, if you own your home, is that it is not a returning asset, okay? I mean, real estate, your, your home price has done great over the last few years. It did great in the run-up to the global financial crisis, um, but it it isn't a returning asset. Over a very long period of time, residential real estate returns approximately the same as the price level, which is to say you know, zero in real terms. And we actually know that uh, it, it sort of makes sense in a lot of ways. You know, if you have a home in, in 1975 and you own that home until 1985, you still own exactly one home. So your your return in real terms has been zero homes. You've, you, you have exactly the same number of homes. And we can even extend that. You know, there are, there are property records going back to the 1600s in the Netherlands, um, uh, for the same homes that have stood there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and and if you think about it, if those homes rose at anything faster than the overall price level, then they would be ridiculously expensive. They would be essentially you would not be able to afford them because even growing. 1% faster than inflation, if you do it over 400 years, makes an enormous difference. So we sort of know that, that real property can't move far away from the price level for an extended period of time. Um, if it does, that is more likely to be a problem with measuring the price level than it is to be to be measuring the actual value of the asset. Now, of course, there's depreciation. You know, home ages, and you make improvements, and and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in general, just sort of the 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 value of property over a long period of time. So it's not really a returning asset, even though it goes through seasons where it does quite well and some seasons where it does not quite so well. It's a hedging asset. It is. It is over a long period of time. It will keep up with the price level. Um, or at least for hundreds of years, that's the way it sort of worked. It is, in fact, a a real asset. I mean, it's it's very much like a um, um, like a long term tips bond, and and so you can and you can even by making some assumptions sort of track, go calculate what sort of break even inflation you need to do well, and it turns out that if you do that, if you say Okay, I'm going to borrow at this rate, and I'm borrowing 80 percent of the value of the house. And here's the tax rate because this mortgage is tax deductible. Uh, and here's what I pay in in taxes, in real estate taxes, and and uh, uh, and insurance. You know, here's the level of inflation I need to be able to break even. Um, just like we would calculate for an inflation linked bond that gets paid specific inflation, we would we could calculate what level of inflation we need to sort of break even. Um, and, and it turns out that for for a very long time now, the, the implied break even of, re, of uh, residential real estate has been below that of TIPS. That is, they, you know, homes have been a better deal uh, compared to inflation-linked bonds, uh, better tax treatment as well. Um, and, th- and that happens for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is that when you buy a home, you're buying, you're buying it with a subsidized interest rate, right? So whatever you pay in taxes, um, whatever you pay in, in, in mortgage interest is deductible if you itemize your taxes. And, and if you don't want to itemize your taxes, this is a different calculation. But if you own a home that's a reasonable size and you pay real estate taxes, chances are pretty good that it makes sense to itemize your, your taxes. and Then you end up having a subsidized uh, borrowing cost. Um, secondly, that level is very, very low. <laughs> um, you know, Right now, you know, the 10-year treasury rate is up to you know, two sixty after having been down at you know seventy five basis points last year, and and yes, buying a home was a better investment when you had mortgage rates you know hundred basis points lower than they are now. But at at two fifty nine treasury rate, and even with with where mortgage rates have gone, it's still a pretty good deal because Uncle Sam does pay uh, a portion of that of that uh, interest for you. Um, and finally. With a home, you're, you're taking your coupons on the home in the form of living there, okay? You don't get paid, you know, unlike with an inflation-linked bond, you don't get paid explicit coupons, but you do extract value out of that home. And so you can sort of think about it as the home is paying you rent or it's saving you rent that you would otherwise be paying, right? And so that's a coupon. And, and if you consider that, then it really does lower you know, what it costs to to break even, how much inflation, how much does the, the, the price of the house need to go up before I'm better off uh, than I was before. Now, so this looks like a long-term inflation-linked bond, where the inflation rate is, is actually something like the rental rate instead of uh, uh, CPI. But But what happens when interest rates rise? What happens to the value of this asset? And and that's where, you know, just like a bond, if you own an inflation-linked bond, that's great. The problem is that when interest rates go up, that bond goes down. And the same thing happens to to housing prices. When, When interest rates go up, the investment gets less attractive to a new buyer. The new buyer doesn't want to pay as much. And so the value of the home goes down, the, the, the price of the home goes down or goes down in, in at least real terms. It doesn't go up as fast as inflation. Um, your break even, your, your break even from owning the home, assuming you have a fixed rate mortgage, is still the same. But but we we can't assume that over some short period of time, real estate will, in fact, track the price level. So when you look at that break even, you have to understand that that's for a a long holding period. If real interest rates are abnormally low, then then home prices will be abnormally high. And by the way, in that circumstance, it's like we have now, that real interest rates are abnormally low, 10-year real interest rates are still negative even after the big sell-off but if real interest rates are abnormally low, then all asset prices are abnormally high. Equity prices respond to real interest rates, and they're abnormally high. Bond prices, obviously, are abnormally high. And, you know, these real interest rates appear in sort of every investment. And, and, and that means they show up in, in, in terms of housing investment. Now, I've been talking about residential real estate and the home that you own, um. There are, are those of you out there who who invest in commercial real estate or are landlords. You know you uh, build to rent, um, and and then th- there you know there's there are some differences obviously with that with that form of investing in in real estate. You know the coupons are no longer uh, tax free. You know you're not getting paid in kind from living there. You're getting paid rent by the people living there. Uh, and now you own something which is, is much looks more clearly like an inflation linked bond with the coupons tied to rent inflation. But it's the same basic calculation. It's just that that you now have a stream that is explicitly uh, rises with the price level. That you know, rent as rents rise over time, you will collect more rent, and so you have this this real annuity, if you will, uh, and you have the building. The, the corpus of the investment. So you've got the actual physical investment, the investment in the physical property and land. And, and that's one part of it. And the other part of it is this stream of rental income. And the stream of rental income being a real annuity is, is, is a very valuable thing to have. Um, its value does change with with real interest rates. Uh, but the, 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 the corpus, the physical part of the, of the property um, tends to be much more sensitive, particularly because it's very long duration. You know, Houses stay up for a long period of time. Office buildings stay up for a long period of time. And so changes in interest rates can have very large changes um, on the underlying property value. And, and by the way, I, I should say when I'm speaking about real interest rates because – and I should do an episode on real interest rates because people, people get confused and twisted around the axle on this – when I am talking about the real interest rate, I don't mean uh, take, you know, the one-year rate or the 10-year – don't take the 10-year interest rate and subtract today's inflation or last year's inflation. Um, you'll see that – you'll see a lot of times people look, you know, say, oh, gee, the 10-year real interest rate is 2.5%, where it is now, minus 8.5% inflation, so it's at minus 6 that's not the way to do. That's not the way to calculate real interest rates. Uh, the way to calculate real interest rates is to look at those things over similar time horizons. So a 10-year uh, expected inflation uh, and a and, and 10-year nominal rates give you 10-year real interest rates, a- as does a 10-year inflation-linked bond. A you know, TIPS bond will give you a 10-year interest rate. So when I say uh, changing interest rates affects the value. Changing real interest rates affects the value of your property and your stocks and so on. That's the sort of real interest rate I'm talking about. If if inflation goes down uh, six months from now and instead of being at eight and a half percent, it's four and a half percent, that doesn't necessarily mean that long-term real interest rates will change. Just like it doesn't mean that not long-term nominal interest rates will change very much. Anyway, as so so real estate. Will tend to do more poorly when uh, real interest rates are rising. So right now, because that's the next question, right? So if I stop the episode here, you know, people say, "Okay, well, but should I buy a house right now? Should I be investing in in real estate, uh, in, in in commercial real estate (CRE), or or should I be uh, seeking to be a landlord, or 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 you know, have a portfolio of second and third homes?" So is is housing expensive right now? Where residential real estate is at roughly four and a half times the, the median home price is about four and a half times median uh, income. And and the answer is sure. I mean you know the, those nominal prices, uh, the you know as a multiple of median incomes um, is quite high. It's not it's not as high as it got in the in the real estate bubble in 2006 and 7, but it's closer than, than you would like to think. However, real interest rates are also lots lower. So you have to sort of adjust adjust to that. I mean, um, furthermore, median incomes... So back in in 0607, you had home prices doing kind of what they're doing now, shooting higher, but median incomes were not going up at the pace that median incomes are going up now, thanks to the Fed and thanks to largest from our our central government. But there's no question that home prices, prices in general are are high. Uh, Turning to commercial real estate, I'd I'd say the same thing, that prices are high and they're vulnerable to increases in real interest rates. And and, and actually my opinion about both of those things uh, Traces back not so much to where they are as a multiple of of, of uh, median incomes, but where they are relative to where real interest rates are relative to what would be a neutral real interest rate. You know, if we had interest rates kind of, you know, sort of long-term fair, where I would expect to see the 10-year, you know, some some long-term risk-free interest rate. Like like a ten year treasury or thirty year treasury, I would expect to see it around four or five percent, and and I'm not picking that out of out of a hat. That that would be, you know, two two and a quarter percent long term real growth, and you know two and a quarter two and a half long term inflation, and that's kind of how I would I would expect, in, you know, over a over a long period of time. You know, if we had a stable economy, something like Two two and a half percent real growth and two two and a half percent inflation, you know, is is kind of a stable a stable equilibrium that we all be happy with. Um, we haven't been there in quite some time, but I would expect that at some point we will get real interest rates back into the ones and the twos, um, and we'll get nominal interest rates up into the fours and the fives. And, and so that's why I think real estate and equities and lots of other assets uh, all look expensive, is that at the end of the day, we've got real interest rates that are artificially far too low. Um, that's starting to correct. I don't know how I think it will take many years to really get back to sort of being a, 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 a normal kind of market. But um, but uh, and if you believe real interest rates are not going to go up from here, then then my concerns about overpriced real estate are just uh, just that, concerned. You know, the, the, there's no natural reason that those prices need to go and revert to the mean as long as interest rates are not reverting to the mean either. Um, if the question we're asking is, should I buy versus rent? The answer to that question is almost always. Speaking as a financial advisor um, as, a, as opposed to an investor here, the answer to that is, is that it's rarely a bad decision to buy, um, if you expect the tax rates to fall a lot, um, you know, so that the government isn't really subsidizing your interest rate, and interest rates are are, are quite high, then then it may then it might not be a, a good decision, but it's, it almost always is because, provided you want to live in a home, you're receiving these. These tax-free coupons that are the rent that you would otherwise be paying. So, um, so when you add that in, um, and you keep in mind that over a long period of time, homes keep up with the price level, and you've got a leveraged participation in them, it it, it tends to be a, a better deal than than renting, where you just you know the money just goes away. Um, would I buy to flip in this environment? Uh, I'd be, I would be cautious at this level. I think that there's a decent chance that interest rates are going to go higher from here. And uh, I would hate to have a half remodeled home when home prices do you know, level out and go down. So I would be much more careful to be a speculative buyer here. How about buying as a long-term investment? If I, Would I buy a home if I, you know, a second home, for the next 20 years to pass on to my heirs or something like that. Um, you know, I, I personally prefer to buy when others are selling and, uh, and there aren't lots of people selling. So, you know, for a long-term investment, I like to get a, a better entry point. But if it's a long enough term investment, then where you buy doesn't, you know, the, your entry point doesn't matter as much. Um, I'm not sure the placement is really good right now to be a, an active buyer of real estate. Um, But if you bought and you you hedged by, you know, shorting uh, inflation linked bonds or you bought, you know, if you're a real estate investor and so you you bought a portfolio of um, homes or apartments that you funded by issuing inflation linked bonds, um, then then that can still be quite a good investment. You're going to have, you know, the coupons that that you want to see REITs. You know, investing through REITs is a is a difficult proposition because you also have equity beta. Then you wouldn't think that you should have equity beta, but um, at least exchange traded REITs, um, you know, listed REITs, um, I'm I'm not generally a fan. So that's kind of everything I've, I'm thinking and feeling about real estate and property right now. Um, I wrote something on my blog a while back. Um, Kind of going through the the math of how I would think about what the break even of a, of a home is, and if you go to to the blog, which is mikeashton.wordpress.com, and you look you look up at the top of the of the page, right underneath the masthead where it has the name of the blog, which is Epiphany, and there, you'll see some tabs, and one of them says uh, Inflation in Real Estate. It's just a, there's a short little piece there that kind of walks through how I would tend to think about that math. So. Um, Keep those cards and letters coming. I won't always talk about what people want me to talk about, uh, but, um, but I do like to know what it is that you want to hear about. And that's all for today's podcast. Uh, as I said up top, you can contact me at uh, InflationGuy at EnduringInvestments.com. You can follow the blog that I just mentioned, MikeAshton.WordPress.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Inflation underscore Guy. Uh, I always mention that we have an Inflation Guy app where a lot of these things, the podcast and the blog posts and occasional other stories that I comment on uh, show up, and that's called the Inflation Guy app. Just go look for it in your app store. Uh, Of course, visit him during investments if you want to find out more about what I do with my day job. And, And most importantly, defend your money. If inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy.